Hey everyone, Howard Jacobson here with another COVID-19 daily edition of the Plant Yourself podcast. Today is what day six, day seven, uh, U.S. lockdown, U.S. quarantine edition. I spent the morning working in the garden today. So I mentioned before we've flirted with radical self-reliance. But in the end, we kind of just did normal garden stuff, tomatoes, cukes, eggplant, okra, things like that. And this year, we're really focusing on the kind of self-sufficiency that can help support not us as a nuclear family, you know, when the apocalypse comes, like two of us on gun turrets and the other two gardening, but part of a community resilience effort. And so I wanted to talk about some of the principles that I use in, in creating and growing and maintaining the garden and probably uh, get one of my kids to come out with the with the iPhone and we can show you what's going on and take some pictures and do some videos like that. But for right now, uh, <coughs> excuse me, um, this will be both, you know, video and audio. So you can just listen. And I'm going to talk about three of the principles that heavily inform how we garden. And this is not by any means a comprehensive list. It's just three things that sort of came to mind today. And I'm sure there'll be more and I'll be talking about them. Um, so the first one is working with nature instead of against nature. And as I go through each of these things, if you're not a gardener, if this isn't relevant to you, I encourage you to see where it is relevant because these aren't gardening principles. These are life principles. These are philosophies. So working with nature as opposed to fighting against nature. So what does that mean in terms of gardening? Um, well, so let me show you what fighting with nature is like. So imagine you have a patch of bare ground and it's a place where there's, you know, fields around or forests around or even a city somewhere it's, that's not, you know, under um, permafrost. What's going to happen to that bare ground over time? You know, it's like it's only bare because something made it bare, probably a, some sort of human activity or maybe an animal digging, but there's exposed dirt. So the first thing that happens is birds drop seeds, the wind drops seeds and little weeds start sprouting. And usually the weeds that sprout first, depending on the kind of dirt it is, depending on how compact it is, depending on how rich it is. But if it's a normal uh, sort of patch of dirt, the first weeds will be sort of shallow roots, but spreading outward to almost like a Band-Aid to keep the topsoil from blowing away. And once you have those in place, other seeds can then shelter underneath those leaves, underneath those those little branching um, stems and the next set of weeds would grow up a little bit taller, might start getting dandelions or uh, clover or, or thistles. And once you have those, then you have um, the dandelions and the thistles have deep tap roots. And so they're going to go down and they're going to start bringing up minerals and loosening the soil so other things, bigger things can grow. The next thing you might get grasses. And then out of the grasses, you might get a bush or two. Very often the bushes are pricker bushes. They're, they've got uh, thorns on them or, or, or sharp pins, almost as if nature is saying, hey, whoever caused this wound on the earth, stay away. And after that, 
you'll get saplings and trees. And eventually, most, most pieces of land turn into forest. Forest, and, and, and first there'd be like pine forest, um, and then eventually the hardwood trees, the, the, um, the succession goes to um, a stable you know, a canopy of like oaks and maples and, and uh, trees like that. So that's what wants to happen. So if you go in your backyard and you make a garden and you rototill, you rip out the soil, you have created an open wound that wants to return to forest. So every year you're planting annuals and you rototill again, you're basically fighting against nature. That's why you have weed problems. That's why there's so much uh, fighting to do. And, beside, and if you're growing plants, if you're growing nutrient-rich plants every year and you're harvesting them and taking them off of the land, then you've got to go and buy nutrients, buy fertility to put back on, whether it's organic fertilizer, cow manure or veganic manures or you know, fish fertilizer or bone meal or blood meal or cottonseed meal, whatever it is, you got to buy that from somewhere else. And so what does it mean to work with nature instead of against nature? So one thing is we are trying to grow as many perennials as we can. So perennial gardening means plants that are supposed to grow in this part of the world. You know, think about an annual. Annual simply means a plant that can't survive where it is without human intervention, right? So if you have to keep replanting it because it won't reseed itself or it won't grow for a second season, that means you're growing something that's not supposed to grow there, supposed to. And that's fine. You know, we all like our broccoli and cauliflower and melons and tomatoes and, and eggplant. But understand that those are not sustainable without lots and lots of interventions and inputs. So if you want to work with nature, you want to plant things that will grow in a spot and grow there year after year after year. Examples are fruit bushes. We have blueberry bushes. We have blackberry canes. We have raspberries. Um, we've planted Nanking cherries and this cute teeny little fruit uh, called gumi, G-O-U-M-I. It was delicious little sort of tart things with tiny little seeds in them. They take, they're teeny, so you know, it's not a lot of uh, calories. You'd have to like, work all day to, uh, to feed yourself with it, but you can go down there and, and pick them, and they're really uh, delicious. Um, we also have a couple of persimmon trees. They have not produced anything. We also have two fig trees that haven't produced anything in over six years. So it's either us or the fig trees or the land that they were planted on. Um, but in any case, we, and, uh, we've also tried, we also have a pecan tree right in our backyard. Uh, where else are we growing? And, and so we keep planting. So a couple of years ago, we put in new blueberry bushes. Um, we have a, a grape arbor that has scuppernong muscatine grapes. So working with nature means, first of all, aiming for perennials. And there's lots and lots of perennial crops that you can even put in garden beds. Um, you know, asparagus is an example of a perennial crop. Um, right? There's lots of others. There's a book by Eric Tonsmeyer called, I think, uh, I don't know, I'll put a link somewhere. Perennial Crops from A to Z, from something to something. 
Um, and there's, you know, there's a, there's a lot more. Sorrel is another one. It's kind of a, you can make a soup out of it. Um, so looking for plants that come back on their own. Another way to work with nature instead of against nature is like where doesn't need weeding. Forests don't need weeding. Forests don't go, hey, humans, come on in and weed us so that we don't get overgrown. How do forests do it? They have trees that drop a lot of carbonous material onto the forest floor that acts as like a litter um, that that keeps weeds down, but also breaks down over time and creates the incredible fertility of a forest. So one thing we do is we take um, wood chips whenever, wherever we can get them, as long as they're from the right kind of tree and not the kind of tree that likes to send out chemicals to kill all its neighbors, like, uh, you know, eucalyptus or black walnut or uh, magnolia uh, or red cedar. But, uh, you know, uh, a tree that, that plays well with others that gets chipped down when the trucks come by and they're taking down the branches next to the telephone poles or when we have a, a tree come down and we need it to be removed or, you know, if it looks like it's going to fall on our house in the next storm. We take those chips and we mulch with them. We mulch over the garden beds. So mulching is another way of working with nature. That's how nature grows forests. So it's a way that we can keep the weeds down. We can keep moisture in the soil. We can raise the temperature of the soil because it's like wearing a blanket. So the plants can start growing sooner. Um, and, and eventually those uh, chips break down into very, very rich uh, humus, um, aerated soil that allows for the, the growth of the mycelium networks. That's the third way we work with nature is that we don't till every single year. So uh, when you till, when you use one of those big tines and those machines or you plow, you're basically returning it to its Band-Aid state, that state when it's totally raw and um, un unsupported. So when we don't till, we then get mycelium networks. And mycelium is just like the fungi. If you ever turn over a compost pile and you see like white threads or even little mushrooms popping up in your beds, that's become a mature area that the mycelium um, promote certain plants. In fact, you know, there's a lot of research that suggests that it's the mycelium, the fungi under the ground that determine what appears above it, that they are sort of the, the, the orchestra leaders to determine, okay, this will be a forest, this will be meadow. And, and because they're the, uh, the sort of the internet of the plant world, uh, communicating and, and uh, conducting so by leaving it, so instead of rototilling, we will, uh, I will use a hoe and just sort of scrape off the top. Sometimes we'll leave, we'll leave it, we'll just mow the weeds and let them die in their place and then um, make divots to plant things so that all of the fertility that grows there, we're not just taking it away, we're letting it return to the soil. So that's how we work with nature in the garden. I'll leave it there for now. I'll talk about some more principles later on, and I'll try to get some video to show you exactly what we do and how we're doing it. And um, maybe some of you are more expert at this than I am, and you can offer some help, guidance, and suggestions. 
Um, the tip jar for Plant Yourself is open at plantyourself.com gift. So if you'd like to support these daily podcasts, if they're useful to you, if you'd like to support the mission of the show as I figure out what it will continue to be in this strange new world, um, much appreciated if you have uh, you know, two coins to rub together. If not, if you're in the position that a lot of us are in and not making a lot of money right now, enjoy this. This is my gift to you. Second thing, we've just reopened the WellStart Health Coach training program. So if you're sitting around and you've got more time on your hands than you used to, and you'd love to learn how to help people eat healthier, live healthier, um, basically behave themselves the way they want to behave to get the health destiny that they want. If you know people who are interested in being healthier but struggle with the behaviors and with the habits and with the details, this course will, t- will teach you in 12 weeks how to work with people in an incredibly effective way where you're not preaching, you're not annoying them, you are coaching them uh, to make the changes that they want to make and that they are holding themselves accountable for. If you'd like to find out more about that, I don't let anybody in without an interview with me first. So the first step would be to go to the website, which is wellstartcoach.com. Read all about the program, watch the videos, watch the testimonials. Really, like, don't sign up for the interview until you've read all that so that we can have an intelligent conversation. Then if you're interested, let me know uh, by registering for the enrollment interview. We'll schedule that and see if it's a good fit for you. The next one starts on May 11th. So that's about it for today. Thank you for listening, for watching. I'll see you again tomorrow. As always, be well, my friends.